Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome to Judd's Hockey Show. <laughs> Which is uh, Zolgad, Declan Goff, and the conversation that Declan goes back to, I think, 2015, because that was the year, if I'm not mistaken, that 3-3 three and three hockey in OT, which, by the way, I love. Yeah, great I, I think is awesome. Welcome so, back, by the way. Thank you very much. Back from the Big Apple. I saw I saw the Islanders and Penguins play. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to have to explain this, but okay. it was like a big-time hockey game. That's great. Yeah, it was. For, so we're... do you know what happens when you go to a game and it's a big-time? You see great skill. Interesting. With football sides. That's crazy. Uh, but came back on Monday, and, and of course that night, uh, as we record this on Tuesday morning, the Minnesota Wild played at the Garden, at the Garden, excuse me, against the New York Rangers, and uh, fell to twelve and thirty-two in three-on-three OT. And now, okay, that goes back. That's the that's you know Mike Yo, that's Torch, that's all of these guys. So, but here's where I'd like to start the discussion. The Wild, I believe the stat that I saw yesterday, Declan Goff, is the only team in the National Hockey League not to have won in overtime this year in the three-on-three. They are now 0-4. They've lost their past two that way. They blew late leads in both cases. But where I want to start is for 2019-20, what I don't get is Boudreaux last night for three-on-three puts out Erickson Eck at center, which I like, Spurgeon, and Suter. Now, Eric Sinek immediately gets kicked out of the circle. And so I believe Spurgeon comes in and takes the draw, which is not ideal. The Rangers center also got kicked out, and I believe uh, Panarin came in, took the draw, won it. They get the puck, and, and then within 32 seconds, Tony D'Angelo scores, and the Rangers win that game. But what I don't understand is this. If you're going to lose that game now, what on earth are you doing putting Suter out there and – Boudreaux's explanation was, well, we're going against a Panarin, who's a very good player, yep. and we're going against some skilled Rangers players, so we want the most responsible guys like Ryan Suter that we could possibly have. But haven't we seen enough of three-on-three three to know it has nothing to do with responsibility? It has to do with puck possession, speed, and you have to take chances. Like, the league put in this format to force you to take chances. Yeah. They don't want shootouts. I don't want shootouts. So... From a philosophical standpoint, how do you? How did somebody not get to Bruce, who's a good coach, at some point within the past few years, and say, Bruce, responsibility, awful idea, because responsible players are often too slow. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Suter got beat, look lost. Saturday night, Zach Parisi, the the winning goal by Boston in OT of that game. The guy literally walks Cretchy, down. Cretchy went from coast to coast. He walks down the ice. And Zach Prezi's there. So how are we still going through this? And not at least to a point where Bruce says, you know what? If I'm going to lose here, three on three, I got a point. But if I'm going to lose, I'm going to do it with my young players, who, by the way, are my faster players. What on earth is not, like, in Bruce's brain here? Where is the synapse not firing to say, yeah, you know, I've seen enough of these old guys trying to play here. Now I want to see my young guys. And by the way, if they fail, I don't care. The, th- this is my future. Right. Like there's nothing about any of this that makes sense to me. And on Saturday, I I did appreciate that Bruce basically admitted, yeah, that was my fault. 
I should not have had Parisi out there. I should not have had those guys out there. I, I completely that that's on us. Okay. Now, with the way Kretschy literally went from coast to coast untouched and just beat Staylock no problem, I don't think it. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to say that it wouldn't have mattered if Parisi or Suter were out there, just because it didn't look like anyone was trying to defend. Uh, but this overtime was set up, like you said, to take chances and to be aggressive, and it's not to be in a defensive-style mode. And unfortunately, uh, the Wild have a core of players who, like you said, are slow. Um, arguably, their best players are their defensemen, so they don't trust their forwards to go on a breakout or lead a breakout or have the ability to go down the ice. Jason Zucker, perfect example, okay? Jason Zucker is a fast, hard-nosed, one-dimensional player. Yeah, I said it. One-dimensional player. He needs someone else to set him up. However, in a 3-on-3 overtime with open ice, yeah. I do trust Zucker to do a crutchy and go coast to coast and try to deke out some people and see what happens. I do trust him to do that. But that's the only one. That's right now, that's the only forward I really trust to try to do something in overtime. So I like that Erickson X started out, and that's fine. But right now, the Jack line, Jordan Greenway, Joel Erickson X, and Luke Cunningham, has been Minnesota's best line all season. Uh, they might be, they, they are the, probably the fastest line as a whole uh, on this team. I would much rather see them try to do that. Or even just do, let's say, Greenway, Eck, and Dumba, you know, because he's not going to put three fours. Dumba should guys. start every one of those. Mm-hmm. In fact, skill wise, I would start Dumba for sure. Yep. Because he, he's your, he's not this guy, but he's as close to Brent Burns as you're going to get. Yep. Okay. He could take the puck, he can go coast to he's coast. X Factor. He can shoot, his shot is heavy, he's got your best shot. I, and I am not offended by Spurgeon. Suter should not play. And if he does, he should be way down the list of, oh, my gosh, this is, this is going to go into a shootout probably, so we have to put a guy out there in right. Suter uh, as far as at the end of a potential three-on-three. Three. Yep. But I see this so clearly. Dumba starts. I think Fiala starts for me. The way that he's playing. I don't know. I don't think I can go that far. The, the way that, but, again, I don't – listen. Right, I know you don't care. Well, you don't, you don't – but here's the thing about it is the responsibility factor to me is ridiculous. Three-on-three – it's it's literally it's literally like telling a NASCAR driver, okay, we want you to be responsible. So while everyone else is going a hundred miles an hour, we want you to pretend that there's red lights and green lights and yellow lights and slow down and have everybody pass you. It's a ridiculous notion. Now in the playoffs in, in OT, it comes back and yes, you want responsible players. But okay, let's say Fiala coughs the puck up. Let's say Dumba does. Who cares? What what you're doing right now is so counterproductive to what yeah. the format is. So, and Fiala's got skill. And if you're going to play Fiala, and if I'm going to play Zucker, I'm playing Kevin first because Kevin needs the experience. See, everything, this is what I don't understand. There seems to be this really disjointed, and I don't know if this is Billy and Bruce and different people. There seems to be this really, really confused take of to what they're trying to do. Like um, as a whole, or as just a whole, as a whole, not just an overtime. As a whole, now yeah. I do think Garen. I've got, I've got a theory that, that I do, I do want to talk about at some point here be, about the lines because I think Bill Garen got to Bruce on lines and combinations because there's no way that Boods leaves the lines t- together like he has basically for I think now the past two weeks or so. But anyway, the overtime thing to me is all right. You're playing Fiala. You're playing Dumba. You're playing pick your center. You get the puck. You don't give it up. That's the whole thing. Like, this whole thing is built around getting the puck and controlling the puck as long as possible, and the slower your guys are. And in Suter's case, Suter, look, I get that there are elements to his game that are still good, for sure. But there's also, he's not going to, there's nothing about his skill set that says skill competition. Right. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing he does. Yeah, totally. So, and, and... In a year where everybody has to make it very clear at some point in time here that you're playing with house money. Like, you get to see everybody and what they can do. And Kevin Fiala, okay, he's terrible there, but he's great there. That's why the whole benching thing confuses me. That's why this whole thing of trying to milk wins confuses me. But the overtime one literally confuses me because it's as if Bruce says, I'm going to try and win for three periods, which I appreciate. Don't always agree with, but who cares what I think? Mm-hmm. But then he gets to OT, Declan, and he says, "And now I'm going to, and and now I'm going to do what I think is best." When I think pretty simply, you could go to him and say, "Bruce, you're really sabotaging your team." Yeah, like this is a sabotage. This is not helping your team. Yeah, it's not. 
they're horrible in three on three. And I was super excited when the league started to do this because I I love open ice. Um, even though even on if we're taking it another level, four on four, the Wilds stink too. But I in theory I love open ice. I like skilled players getting opportunities to have. Uh, a, a space to create something, and, and the Wild just aren't able to do that. I mean, if they have a, if they've only won, what is it, fifteen out of thirty-two? Uh, that's that's like a twenty-seven winning percentage. Or if you really want to look at it, you know, the other way, it's like a seventy-seven percent losing percentage. Yeah, it's gonna, I mean, they're going to lose. Um, so don't, if they get to overtime, they're going to be screwed. And I love that the league has you know cut down on shootouts because I do think shootouts are, are kind of a whack way to go about uh, get, getting wins. But this is the team, man. They're slow. They they also the whole prevent defense mode, which is something they've clearly carried into three on three. They they just don't trust their offense to lead a breakout or lead lead something. Because they did this, uh, you know, on on Thursday against Colorado, they played prevent defense for the last six minutes. I mean, McCarr was the only one on the Colorado Avalanche who could have single handedly beat this Minnesota Wild team because they were so banged up, and he almost did. Uh, but the Wild have this method of of using their defense, which on paper is their strength. But I think in today's NHL, even if you have four of the top four good defensemen in this league, which the Wild have, you're going to get exposed. And, and teams are, are starting to show the Wild that you can't play prevent-style defense anymore. Yeah, and Boston, too, you, you had, what, a two-goal lead late. Yep. Then I believe the power play chances at that point were 7-1 to one in favor of the Wild until, of course, the officials start to call things. And But, but again, I don't have... As long as this is done right, the Rangers game, you know, we, we could talk about late leads. But as long as you're doing this right, the Rangers game, the Bruins game, don't bother me one bit because it's learning experiences. This is why I want the young players playing there, though. I want them screwing up. Mm-hmm. Well, I and, and that's what bugged me. The one thing that, that I saw, and you attended the Colorado game, I did not, but the one thing that bugged me is what? The Suter-Spurgeon tandem was out there for the entire end of that game. Well, I'll say that I actually did it. I, I agreed with that because Dumbo was Dumbo was banged up. Dumbo was not playing well. He was and okay. Awful. That he was a liability. That makes some sense. Though. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice maybe to rotate a Jonas Brodin in or a quick, you know, third shift person in to, to help to help out and alleviate that. Yep. But I also liked that Boudreaux put out the Jack line for the last shift. I mean, forty five. They, they played the most of any forwards that night. Bruce Boudreaux put them out for the final shift, six on five, and keep. And Colorado had that goalie pulled. I thought Patrick Waugh was back. I think he was pulled for more than two minutes. Yeah, at, I think it was two fifty at the end. Of the game. And they held their own. And that see that that was that was great. And even talking with Greenway after the game, he wanted to be out there. He loves he loves the responsibility. He likes playing with young kids and kids that he grew up with and kids that he knows prior to the Wild. So there's definitely a continuity thing, and with with that line. And and I don't know if that was Garen. I don't know if that was Boudreaux. But clearly, those three have to be together. And and I would. Be shocked if at, it's going to take a disastrous game by them to probably split them up or injuries that just force the hand to move someone up and down. But right now, the Jack line has been the, the team's best line. Geek line is that geek, the official Jack, line? Jack, I, I think it's supposed to be the geek line, like which is Jack, funny. But I, I love that line. It's and great. but somebody, it's pretty clear that I think Billy Guerin got to Bruce and said, "You've got to leave lines together. Don't I? We I don't want to see." And he's right. If he. he said this, I don't want to see Greenway struggle, and now it's Zucker or something right. like that. You have to leave these lines together. Again, this is where we need to get to a point fairly soon of also saying, I need you in three-on-three to play the kids. I don't understand why somebody hasn't gone to Bruce and said, you're not going to be fired. You're just not going to be, okay? We're not good. It's okay. Like, you've got – because the team's got some skill, but you've got to bring it out in the right way. And, and it's not hard to do because, again, any failure is progress. Failure by veterans is quicksand. Yep, you're go. You are. You, it's incumbent on you very soon now to make sure that Eric Stahl knows he'll be traded. It's you. You need to go to uh, to uh, Koivu, excuse me, and say, "Do you want out? We'll get you to a decent place because you can go win faceoffs." So all of this to me tracks perfectly. The most frustrating thing that the Wild had was was the last couple years probably of sort of being just stuck and you said what what good is this like every game it doesn't this is silliness now it makes sense so like last night or boston game or whatever or colorado game learning experiences yeah all of them if you get two points great if you get one point great if you get zero points great but you have the you have the ability to go into every one of those games with if you play the right people 
But I do love the fact that we are now done with um, Zucker's now on this line and Greenway's right. now on this line and Fiala's now on this line. The only thing is, to me, Fiala, short of if he basically takes his skates off on the bench, you don't bench him. But I like what they've done as far as continuity now and having things set so that at least the kids know where they're going to be. Here's what's curious to me is Boudreaux talked about this in the pregame before the Boston game on Monday night, and someone brought up the play of Kevin Fiala because he, he is playing a little better lately. We all, we all have seen that. But Boudreaux says he knows if he doesn't play well, he's not going to play. I'm not— no, Oh, so last I'm not, night before yeah, the Rangers game. Before yeah. the Rangers game, excuse me, yep. before the Rangers game on Monday. And yep. I found that very interesting that—I'm not suggesting that Boudreaux has it out for Fiala. That's not what I'm getting at. But clearly, Fiala is the one that he is really got around a rope. And he's not afraid to just pull him in. He doesn't do this with Greenway. He doesn't do this with Cunning. He doesn't do this with Eck. Donato to a degree, but it's more just burying Donato. It's not necessarily... Yeah. It, he's just... Donato's out of the shuffle. Yeah. We can get into that later. But, but clearly, there's something about Kevin Fiala that just frustrates this head coach to no end. And he's vocal about it. And Boudreaux's vocal about a lot of things. But I haven't heard him... Be critical against the geek line, against Donato. I've only really heard him be consistently critical of Kevin Fiala's play. And it's and it's benching him for seven minutes a few weeks ago against Carolina. It's uh, not playing him for a good chunk of the third period, too, against Colorado last Thursday. There's something about his game that Boudreaux just can't stand. Oh, I think he makes some dumb plays. But he does. I don't, but I don't care. And, oh, yeah. and what Bruce is doing was very acceptable in 1992. It was very acceptable. Young kid screws up. They used to, they used to, Declan, dress young players and not play them. Brian Lawton, when he was the first pick overall by the North Stars, Brian Lawton had games where Bill Mahoney, the coach at the time, would dress him and he would never step foot on the ice. So this was all at one time common. But Kevin, the best way to get through to Kevin Fiala is not to take away playing time. And to be honest, I could see the tendency to do that if he was on a good team and screwing up and costing you goals. Because then it becomes a problem. You're probably, you're probably going to lose points because of it. But with Kevin Fiala's current state, he needs to play. And the other problem that I have, too, is Kevin Fiala screws up, okay? But so does Zach Parisi at times. Now, they might screw up for different reasons. Kevin might make a mental mistake, but if Zach, if Zach is too slow and you don't do a thing about or that. Or Zach turns the puck over, which or does Zach, happen. Which right, does sure, happen. sure. But if you don't do a thing about that, to me, the message, because Kevin Fiala, let's be honest, and this is where this is where somebody has to sit down and have a conversation. Kevin Fiala is more important to the future of this team than Zach. I know Zach is stuck here, so I, I know he can't be traded, but he's more important to this team. This whole young group is. So, and Bruce, does Bruce find it simple to do this because Fiala was Paul Fenton's pet project? Maybe. I Maybe. don't know. I don't know. But he does have, when you see him score goals, there's something there that this team does not really yeah. have. Even even outside let's of the be honest. even outside of the goals and let's and let's also take away the offensive zone turnovers. And this is why to me, different circumstances, but it's eerily similar to Thomas Vanek's early tenure here where there's these flashes and moments you're like, oh my God, here he is. This is the playmaker. This is something that we need, and then he'll do something so foolish that just puzzles me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's Fiala in a nutshell. That's who he is. And and the kid scored 21 goals as, as a 21-year-old a few years ago. I think he didn't get his legs underneath him after that horrible leg injury that he suffered in the postseason. And now he's starting to get acclimated and, and fresh, and he's in a new system. And, and you're definitely right that you want to see him out there more and not be held... I don't want to say not held accountable, but you, you don't want to see Boudreaux punishing him for things that are just going to happen to any hockey player is what is kind of like where, where I'm going at. Yes. Well, and he, if he does dumb things, pull him aside afterwards, show him the tape. He's not. He does not strike me as a kid who's going to learn more by not playing. He's not. It's not as if he's going to say, oh, man, by being benched for the last seven minutes of the Carolina game, I learned a lot of life lessons there, and now I'm better. I think he's the guy that probably – learns by playing, and then you also show him his mistakes. I'm all for that. But there's no compelling case. If you think a kid can play in the slightest in 2019-20 and you either manage or coach the Minnesota Wild, that kid has has to play, which gets me to my next guy. Ryan Donato scored a goal 
on Monday night in the garden that was absolutely awesome beautiful. Too. Family was there. Yeah. Toe drag, yeah. great shot. That's a goal scorer's goal, and that's that's the type of goal that he scored when he got here last year. Early on, he was going great guns. Again, another reason why you have to play him, and he needs to move up in lines. And I know people are going to say he can't play. One, I don't care, because if he can't play, we'll find out. The other thing is this whole notion of, well, where are you going to put him? Are you serious? Like, People, whenever you tweet this or think this to yourself, where are you going to play him? Or these veterans have a lot of pride. Saw that last night. These veterans have a lot of pride. You're not very good. This is your year to play, guys. Ryan Donato, I don't care who he replaces. He can replace any veteran. I told you before. You know what? Go to the veterans and tell them, boys, we're going to do load management for a couple months here, so you're going to get some nights off. Enjoy them. I don't see. I don't. I just don't know if you can do load management with those veterans. Well, you probably can't. You can't. But my point is, but you can. Of... You can. You can replace them and yes. dr- and drop them online. Who again? Who? cares boots needs to be told we're developing something bruce should be told you're going to be judged on development here like any chance you have to come back as coach if you want to come back is based on one thing development of players so if i'm billy garen i'm not going to look at point totals in april i'm going to look at did we develop our players and if the answer is yes i'm gonna look at that coach and be like good job i think you'd be good coming back and you know what the i will say and boudreaux is even was on the record on it on Thursdays. The fourth line in general, so the Rask, Donato, um, Hartman line. Yep. It's actually starting to play fairly decent. It's putting together a good, I think, what a, what a traditional fourth line does. So you don't make mistakes, and you are able to forecheck when you can, have a little bit of offensive zone time. In the Colorado game, I mean, there was numerous chances where those guys started on the offensive zone. Uh, it was kind of Felino's remarkable. out too. Yeah, and Felino, he was I thought played right. really well. So I think that line is starting to play a little better. Um, Donato maybe specifically, Rask a little bit specifically, um, and and you'd like to see that. I mean, over their last six games, they're they're a plus they're a plus two on the ice. They're not allowing. I mean, they're they're creating more chances than they're allowing, and that's kind of what you want to see from a fourth line. So I, I think Rask and Donato are starting to play a little better. And probably you stick that you keep them together right now unless there's another key injury, and that's probably the only way Donato gets up. Yeah, I would just find a way to get him up. I would, I would for sure. He needs to play more. You need to find out what you have, and they're just, not doing a good job now. And and right. I don't. And and there's no case. There's no compelling case for this team to send him to Iowa because I know he can play there. And again, that does me no good. And and if this was a contending team, then I would send him down. I just don't think he's that good. But that's what I. But I have no. I lose nothing by finding out. I might lose a game. True. I don't care. I, I think, but you I can't care. But I, I just don't think Boudreaux is just gonna throw him up there without without. But that's an why Bruce. But here here's why I think Bruce is coming around. Okay. The line continuity to me is not Bruce's call. Like somebody got to Bruce and said, "Let's do. Let's try something else." My guess, Garen did, because the geek line, for one. Bruce ordinarily, if they had a tough shift or something, come on, last two years, they're broken up in a heartbeat. So I think we're making progress here in coming to what do you need to see? What do you need to – and ultimately, playing in close competitive games for these kids is great. And if Donato's not good, we'll find out he's not good. Right. But you got to find out. I, I know what Parisi, Koivu, Stahl, Zucker – Suter, go down that whole list. Right. I know what they can do. Yep. Don't need to see it. I know. And if they fit in the future, that's fine. And if they don't, I'd like to trade some of them. But I need to find out what all of these kids can do. And right now, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm on the precipice more and more of finding out. But I want to take another step. So I, I really liked this quote from Greenway after the Colorado game where they were on the ice for the most of any forwards and they were on the ice to cl- ice the game. And he said, quote, there's a lot of veteran players that have played a lot of games in this locker room who are more than capable of doing the same things. So it feels good to go out there and have them to rely on us like that. It's great. So he's candid in saying, yep, there, we don't have necessarily the right to be out there. There's a lot of players that are more than capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We went out there and we got the job done, and that's great. And I think that is a, and I know hockey players are almost robotic when it comes to post game answers, especially after uh, a grinding out game like they did. But 
I, I think it was really telling and really important that Greenway was on the record about that. And even asking him playing with the younger kids, because, I mean, all those kids are under the age of 22. And, you know, Greenway said it, it feels good to play with those guys. They have similar styles. He's played with Cutton before in the World Juniors. He grew up playing with Joel Erickson Eck as a teenager. So, I mean, he def- this line definitely knows each other really well. And like you said, it's starting out games. I mean, they started in the Garden. They started against Colorado. Yep. I'm not 100% sure if they started against Boston. But, they, but Boudreaux's leaning on that line more than any other line right now. I know last night the Koivu Fiala Zucker line, what uh, was I believe it was Koivu Fiala Zucker. Uh, that line played pretty well. And Fiala, gorgeous pass. To yes, Zach. Yeah, so gorgeous pass. So that's good. I mean, but I like that the Geek Greg Jack whatever the hell we want to call it line I think is playing very well. I just don't like Geek because none of them to meet unless uh, Joel Erickson Eck. Joel Erickson Eck might be a geek. Might yeah. be a geek. I know a geek when I see one. Um, I mean, he'd be a hockey geek. He's, yeah, not, yeah. A, he's not a real life and geek. And you know what? You know what? This is what I love. And Boudreaux also said this, too. Yep. There's something about Joel Erickson X game that's pissing people off. He made Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel drop the gloves. Well, that's because also because Buffalo's gone in, into their annual, we're off to a great start, and now we stink. And then Tailspin. he gets Nathan McKinnon to upset him on Thursday. Oh, did he? I didn't yes, see that. Yes, he did. He gets Nathan McKinnon to upset him. And him. Boudreaux said McKinnon got ticked off at him, so he must be doing his job when he's doing that. Yeah. So clearly there's, you know, I didn't. I see this more in Cunning, I thought. But I don't know. And maybe it's Cunning being contagious, but something about Eck is pissing other people off in a remember, good way. Do you remember how long, though, it took for this kid to play? Yeah. Like, they wouldn't play. That, that's well, my point is that that whole that whole we're easing you in factor. And right. But he went up and down because his first bad shift, he would sit. Yeah. And and they held him accountable, which is fine. Again, on a veteran laden, really good team. Then you sort of have to, to do that. And I completely get that. But when you're on a team like this, you could play everybody and get them experience or your young kids. And if they screw up, you address it post game. Right. But how long did we say, well, Erickson Eck looks like he might be, might be a flop. He did not get a chance last year, a substantial chance, until Koivu tore his knee up in Buffalo. Yeah. And then he played more. And then we all said, well, he's not great, but there might be oh, something yeah, here. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Donato, that's my point about him. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know. We're told, well, he's not very good. We were told the same thing about Eck right. because he didn't play. And going down to Iowa and having them tear up the American Hockey League is almost counterproductive now because then you're like, oh, he's back and now he's ready. No, this is a tougher league. Like, God is giving you a gift. God is giving you the gift of treating your team however you want. Right. You're not, you don't have to worry about anything. I just, I just think it's really, to me, really cool and really imperative that Eck is upsetting other players. I think it's great. Because I, I love that kind of player on my team because you, you hate playing against well, them. Well, think about that line. Yeah. Eck is ticking guys off. Greenway is a wrecking man ball. out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's driving to the net with a puck now. Yeah. And again, I think the goals will come there. I, I The way he's playing, I love. His course, he's off the charts right now, by he's the way. Just, but he's doing, yeah. And he's, Which is he, great. Yeah, and he's doing, every, he's doing everything that Charlie Coyle didn't do. Correct. And you say to yourself, okay, there's something here. And Cunning. I think is learning, and he's and I I really like him. Unnoticeable as a in a bad way, or in a good excuse me, right. unnoticeable in, in a, a good way, way. Right. in a good way. Right, and so I think again he, he gets a ton of scoring chances, and I think at some point he ring the ring the pipe on the first shift last night. They'll start to go in. Yeah. So this is all great. This is what I want to see from Donato. This is what I want to see from Fiala as far as the consistency there of chances. Because we've always had this sort of default position of, well, this guy clearly stinks. It's because the coach doesn't trust him. And when you're a young kid, it's very hard, I think, to gain confidence. So, yeah, I I am completely at ease with a lot of things here. The one, But the one thing I don't get is the three-on-three. If there was ever a time to put those kids out there and say, all right, boys, go to it. Get the puck and have some fun. Three-on-three is it. And this whole this whole thing of well, let's try and get that second point with uh, responsible players out there. <laughs> Response, and, and I do like to his credit, Parisi is playing great now. He is playing very well. And it, it is just a damn shame he can't be traded. Mm-hmm. The recapture and all that is I know. too much. It's but it's man, could he help a team? Yeah, could he help a team? And you know what? It, it would be a third line role, right? He's a third line guy. Probably the speed's not there now, but the work ethic is still is. Yeah, and. 
what, he's got six points past six games scored on Monday night. He's almost got ten goals, I think. I mean, closing in on it. Man, I'm watching him play, and I'm thinking to myself, that would be a guy you would love to be able to accommodate him and say, there's a few contenders that would really like it. There's nothing like watching wild hockey live and in person at XL Energy Center. The sound of the puck on the boards, the excitement of the stands, and fans cheering on their favorite hockey team. Tickets remain for 2019-2020 home games, including special ticket packs that include unique experiences or merchandise. For the best ticket locations, check out wild.com backslash ticks. That's wild.com backslash T-I-X. There's nothing like it. Wild hockey. We'll see you at the X. Okay, you tweeted this last night, disparaging to me, and ordinarily you're right, you're you're right. But in this case, this is why I don't like these, and I will explain. Okay. Matt Zuccarello had spent his entire career with the Rangers until the trade deadline in February last year. He's moved to Dallas and then uh, plays out the remainder of the season with the Stars and then signs – an inexplicable free agent contract with, but we're not going to get into that nope, right that's now. Not, that's not what an talking about. inexplicable contract to play for the wild makes it his first return last night to the garden where he's immensely popular. And I did not know how much he was loved. I uh, did not, I was not I, aware. Of that. I remember when he got traded, I was coming back from New York, I believe. And Lundquist, the whole thing where I remember he, the Lundquist he cried. Crying. Yes. He cried and fans loved him. Anyway, tribute video, uh, he, he was cheered, if I read this correctly, throughout warm-ups in the garden. Uh, they, they came back and showed his reaction to when they aired the video on the Madison Square Garden scoreboard. Uh, and then Mike Russo of The Athletic later tweeted it. The tribute was fantastic. It was really cool. Anyway, long story short, the reaction of that whole thing I thought was fantastic. And... It's why I don't like giving tributes to everyone who goes back to their former place that they played because last night was special. And to me, when you give a, hey, Charlie Coyle's back, didn't y'all love Charlie? And people are like, okay, yeah, cool. It actually takes away from how special it, it is when players who were very special to their franchise, Matt Zuccarello, goes back and plays his old team. Outstanding job, bravo. It's why I like those things to be saved for moments like that and not just the arbitrary Charlie Coyle. Hey, guys back in town, let's well and he, I know people like Grandland here, but was the Grandland thing really all that special? I, I don't know. I don't think so. So the Zuccarello thing, I loved it, but it's why I would like to see these things kept to players who were truly special to not just like three fans or fifteen fans who had jerseys, but the Basically, the fan base. Mm-hmm. I understand it, and I thought it was really neat that they that he honored him like that. And I, I, I remember the Lundquist crying moment when when he was traded last year at the deadline. Um, but I, I just, I just thought you know him and Henrik were really close. I didn't, I didn't really gravitate the magnitude of what Zuccarello meant to that franchise and to that team, which is a very proud, uh, proud team that I know is now on harder times, but is on the upswing. And I thought it was really neat, and that that's how you should do it. A guy who's a ten year pro in New York and, and was there through highs and lows, he deserves to be honored. And a guy like Charlie Coyle, although a fan favorite off the ice, I mean, if, if we're just comparing apples to oranges and tributes, Charlie Coyle versus Matt Zuccarello, like, I'm going to pick Matt Zuccarello's tribute every single time. He deserves the tribute And he meant Charlie a ton to, the, to that fan yeah, base. He that, did. That's what I liked about it. That's why I don't like, I don't understand when we just started to be like, well, you played here for five years, so... Hey, here you go. You know, it doesn't – I don't get that. I get – Zuccarello did a lot in the community there and clearly meant a lot to those people, which is great. And they did, and they honored him and chanted his name. I hear – okay, so here's where I'm going to put things now as far as, as the Judd rules for a tribute video upon your return to a team. If you weren't being applauded in warm-ups – so like people are chanting your name, Zuccarello or something like that. Then you know what? You deserve one. I don't remember that Boston game hearing hearing Charlie, Charlie. Seriously. Yeah. It, I, I, mean, I don't think this is that. They were cheering his name into the shift. To parse, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't. I think this is pretty. He is a player who they loved. They did a great job with his return, which was very cool. But, you know, then when you get some, you know, 
some guy goes back to a team and they're, and they're like, oh, you know, play, and remember all the great service. What the the what? So, um, you, you went and watched the Wild play the Avalanche last Thursday. Yeah, tell me because I I was at the Islander Penguin game that night. Tell me about uh, Kale McCarr because this oh, kid. Yeah. I've seen him on TV. I saw him in college a little bit. But I don't think it's as special on TV. Yeah. How big a pain in the butt is this going to be oh. for years to come if you, let's say, are a team based in Minnesota in the Avs division? He, he's, and you got Nathan McKinnon by He's a too. stud. This, this kid is exactly you know kind of what defensemen are trying to become now um, in this league. And, and I, I was pretty shocked that a guy – it's hard. It is very difficult to go – from the college game right into the NHL, and then going to the postseason, by the way, which he did, and he played 10 games last year scoring six points. I mean, what a whirlwind year to start yep. at UMass and a college hockey, uh, you know, a, a, a good team in the hockey East, but certainly not a powerhouse, I don't think. And he wins the Hobie Baker, goes right into the show, has a nice little playoff stands, and now has seven goals and 25 points in 23 games. This kid is already on a Brent Burns kind of level. He's, on a point, he's over a point-for-game pace as it is. It was, and Colorado has significant injuries right now. On that Thursday night game, it was Minnesota Wild versus Cal McCarr. It, it, like Colorado, like how did McKinnon, McKinnon play? McKinnon was okay. He was he was frustrated. He wasn't he wasn't great. Joel Eriksson was bugging him all game. He was a non factor. Good for him. Um, so McCarr was unbelievable. He's got a great shot. Um, both those goals he scored on Thursday were phenomenal. He had a couple chances at the end. This kid's going to be a pain in the butt to play. If you're the Wild, five times a year, and everyone else in the division too. And the shot is fantastic. Yes, the speed is fantastic. He's so good. Um, and I, I, I think he's a little more too defensively sound, maybe than a Matt Dumba was at this age. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know if he's yeah. gonna. It, even though we talk about these elite defensemen like Carlson and Burns, and it's it's definitely unfair maybe to put McCarr in that territory right now. But the kid has every potential to be as good as those two guys. He's he's a very special player. And. It, <sighs> Again, this is the type of player that you need to get. This is the type of draft pick that you need. To, wait, in fact, where, where was this kid taken? He. Do we know off the top of our heads yep, here? I can, yep. He was a fourth overall pick in 2017. Okay. So, is, I mean, uh, okay. but you this, know, but a game-breaking is, player. This is why you need to end the streak of, I believe, your last high draft pick, significantly high, was what? Benoit Pouliot? This is why that needs to come to an right. end. This is exactly – so whenever you're watching a game thinking, boy, it'd be nice if Bruce could put out uh, Eric Stahl to win this draw because the Wild's down by one. No, it wouldn't. It doesn't matter. You need this type of talent. And watching kids like that in your division, by the way, which is going to be now for a long time, yep. this is going to be very difficult. Um, Alex Stalock, I'll go first. Okay. Because I saw – and I saw the – Last goals in Boston, and they weren't great. But the OT goal, come on, folks. Tori Krug walked down the center of that ice and scored. Also, the tying goal, he's got to stop. I'm sorry. He's yeah. got to stop that tying goal. Agreed. That, that Unacceptable. That being said, and I agree, the tying goal by Krejci is not a great goal. But all that being said, for a guy who's been plopped in, in there, and now Dubnik's been out, what, a week yeah, with a family, family issue? Matter. Yep. And... Alex Daylock's play to me has been absolutely fine. I'm not – and here's why. Here's why. Your goaltender of the future is not on the roster right now. It's not. I don't think it's Dubnik. I don't think it's Stalock. Stalock might be here as a backup continuing forward. I don't know. I don't think it's the guy who's going to start the game on Tuesday night against the Devils in Jersey, Kapo Kakinen, okay? My guess is – and maybe it's Kapo. I don't know. But the point is, if you look at how Dubnik has played and his statistics and, and where he ranks, there is no compelling case to say, well, once he comes back, he's got to play a lot. So I'm with you. The tying goal in Boston has to be stopped. And if you had a true number one goaltender and that goes in, I think you're disappointed. That being said, you don't. And do I think that is the exact type of goal, too, that Dubnik gives up on a regular basis? Oh, yeah. So the fact is that your goaltending sort of fits in with where a lot of your team is at, which is a transitionary period. All right. Well, let me let me give you this. And Alex Daylock is a league average backup goaltender. That's what he is. Yep. He, he's nothing more than that. He that that's who he is. Let's just let's just look at his numbers, traditional numbers right now. Five, three and two, two point eight GAA. 
907 save percentage. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to counter with, here's what league average goaltenders are doing in 2019-20. 285 GAA, 909 save percentage. He's a league average goaltender, and right now he's playing out of default because Dubnik is dealing with the family matter, and I know Kappa will start on Tuesday night um, for his NHL debut. But this is who he is. And yes, if you play him more, he's probably going to get a little exposed. Yep. But where this team is at right now as a franchise, and they're trying to lose games... Pretty much uh, trying to solidify don't, draft don't status. Don't say they're trying to lose Sorry. games. They'll get very Sorry. upset with you. But the point is, is he, notes. he's a league average goaltender. He's not worse. He's not better. Right. That's This is who he is. He's going to start Do 40 games though. a year. Are they worse than that? Give us those. I, they're way worse but, than but that. But that's the thing about this. There, there's nobody. They don't have that guy here right now. And by and that is okay. Yep. That There's totally nothing wrong right with now. that. Yeah. You but Dubnik's stats are, they're, I just love these conversations about, well, Dubnik, I mean, if he's there, he has to play. No, no, he doesn't. It's okay. They could rotate, and they can both play, and nobody's going to be great, and nobody is going to – well, I shouldn't say that. Nobody's going to be great. Somebody might be awful sometimes, but this is not a conversation of – But it ha- no, it doesn't have to work. Right. It just is what it is, and there's no change in that. Yeah. Patrick, a questions here? Patrick, a questions. Let me uh, scroll down to them because I have so many notes for today, today's Judd's Hockey Show. All right, let's start with this one. If you could take any player from your childhood and p- put that player into today's game, mm-hmm. which the last, what, four or five years has picked up speed immensely, it's a different game, who would that be? And for me, it can't be Gretzky because that, that is boring, obvious. But let's start with you, Declan. If you could take a guy from your childhood who played this game – and plop him into today's game, and you think he would either be great or be fun to watch. Who do you think it'd be? Uh, I loved Paul Correa growing up. He's one of my all-time Ooh, favorite like players. Um, and you know, yeah, smaller guy. I think he could. I think his play could translate really well here in, in today's NHL. I'm a, I was a big fan of his. Obviously, um, you know, one of the more unfortunate, infamous moments is when Scott Stevens took his GD head off in in a uh, in a in a Stanley Cup game. Uh, but I've always admired the way he played, and I'd be very curious to see how he goes. Another one. I loved watching uh, Marty Turco and Ed Balfour, both stars goaltenders. Okay, I loved Didn't watching both of them. Yeah. I, I just I, I wanted to throw that in there again, just for personal bias, because I loved watching them growing up. Michigan and North Dakota goaltender too. Mm-hmm. Luke Robitaille would also add that too. Michigan, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just naming wait, hold, kids that I loved you as just a kid. A North Dakota goaltender. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I did. saw Ed Balfour play in college. Wow. Yeah, I'd never saw at that. North Dakota. Yeah, Eddie Balfour. Uh, my guy off the top. Well, it's not. It can't be Wayne, but it's from Wayne's team, and I think this guy would have been just so much fun. In fact, today's game is probably made for him. Paul Coffey. Oh, good one. Yes, defenseman moved the puck incredibly well. Superstar at that time, but with today's game and with the penalties that are called for stick infractions, and with his skating, his speed, and that shot, Paul Coffey would have been so much fun. Uh, Goaltender-wise, now that that you broached that, (laughs) do you know who might be fun? Ron Hextall. Interesting. Because he he was mean, snarly, big, but he could really play the puck. In fact, if if I'm not mistaken, he was the first goaltender to score a true goal. Billy Smith of the Islanders, I believe it was 1979, against the, uh, at the time, Colorado Rockies was credited with a goal, but that was a... A delayed penalty, and a Rockies player put it back to, to the point. Smith touched it. Rockies player picked it up, tried to drop it back to the point. Unfortunately, Colorado being Colorado, it slid all the way into their own net for a goal against on a delayed penalty, which is damn near impossible. So Smith got credit for that goal. But I think Hextall was the first player to actually truly take the puck, ice it, and score. That's awesome. So I like it. All right, second question. If there's one non-playoff team right now that you see making a blues-like run, as improbable as that might be, what team, as we approach Thanksgiving, what team do you think that will be? I think this might be easy, but uh, Tampa Bay is the team for me that I, I really have circled that can turn things around. They they have been extreme underachievers this year. Um, obviously, I think they're still dealing with a little bit maybe of that hangover of, of their one and done President's yeah, Trophy year. the first round. Oh, my Get gosh. I mean, and, and they're starting to play better. They've won seven of their last ten. Uh, their goal differential is still pretty good, so I think they've been a little unlucky to start the year. Um, right now they're three points out of a, of a playoff spot, and, you know, we're getting to that time of Thanksgiving where it's pretty hard to uh, get in and out of the top eight once that's settled. So I, I think Tampa Bay can be be someone that eventually turns it back on. 
I am going to stay with you in the Eastern Conference. Okay. How about the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah. Disappointment. Good. Mike good Babcock, have you ever seen a coach fired and piled on this much? Ugh. Former players, non-former <laughs> players. You, you would have thought this guy was the devil. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. But you know what? Okay. Babcock, certainly probably an old school coach in some ways. And now they've got a younger guy from their American Hockey League club who probably understands players more. Toronto's got the talent, right? There's no question they've got the talent. So the question now becomes, can that talent be be unlocked? And I think Toronto, now they certainly weren't this bad, but they have the ability to sort of do what the Blues did, right? Go from Mike Yo to Barubi, and all of a sudden you get a hot goaltender, mm-hmm. or actually you find a goaltender from your system, you call him up. Right. Bennington, he performs great. But I think Toronto's got components there that are similar in the fact that you look at the wild roster, right? And you don't say, oh, there's a, something's coming. <laughs> yeah. Something's coming here. You say to yourself, that's a young developing team with some old parts, but no old part that's going to take off and be uh, phenomenal. Toronto's got s- some of those parts. Because St. Louis had, had that too. Ryan O'Reilly's a fantastic yeah, player. 100%. And so I think Toronto, Toronto and Tampa are good picks there. Do you think there's any chance John Cooper and Tampa could well, be I, in trouble I, here. I thought a few weeks ago on a pod that uh, that was did totally a possibility. I did. I did call for I that. I called for Babcock and then yeah. got fired right Yeah, good away. for you. Good call. Uh, I, I thought I no players hated it. I, I, thought, uh, I thought Cooper was in serious trouble, but with them playing better, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the opposite of the kiss of death. I thought Jim Montgomery was going to get fired against the Wild, and Dallas hasn't lost a regulation game since. Dallas is like the antidote, or I'm sorry, the Wild is the antidote to team struggles. Yeah. And it's like they took the Wild penicillin and got well. We got tag team champions right here. The Wild and me are, are the teams that get coaches uh, back motivated. So, I guess so. So Cooper and Tampa Bay are now sitting sitting prettier than they were, and uh, and I think they'll they'll be back in it. Question number three, hat trick of questions. Judd's Hockey Show, percent chance, Bruce Boudreaux is fired before New Year's. Oh, uh, so I was thinking about this more because of kind of just the overtime lapses. I, I don't think that's the reason that Boudreaux gets fired, but it can certainly be an added issue. Sure. I would say about a 10% chance that he's fired. I, st- that, I know that's low, but I think it would before have to New take— Before New Year's? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think 10% right. chance. So, it, so it, in, the, in the reverse of that would be there's a 90% chance he's still our coach heading into the new year. Um, I think it would take an awful lot for Boudreaux to get the rug pulled out of him, especially over these next five weeks. It would, it would take a monumental collapse, problems in the locker room, uh, that, things we've seen before, that unfortunately. Would be that would be the problem. Uh, right. But I would say a 10% chance, because I think mostly he's done a good job of managing those egos. I'll go lower, 3%. Okay. Because wh- who are you going to replace him with yeah. and why? The, the only way that Garen fires Bruce is if Garen is telling Bruce to play young players and not – be concerned about wins and Bruce being old school is like, that's all I'm concerned about. And then there's a falling out there. I have no evidence that's going on. I don't think that is going on. So I say 3% chance because I think for the most part, Bruce is probably doing what Bill wants. And we should get to this next week. Actually. Okay. I was thinking about this during my trip. Do you know who I think? And this is, this is not possible. So I'll start by saying that. But do you know who I think the most marketable wild person employee is who? on this team right now? Like, if you could trade him, you can't. But if you could? Boudreaux? Yeah. <laughs> think about that. Yeah. Think about if you traded him to a good team. Mm-hmm. He could. I don't know if they make what, a playoff run. What if you put him in Toronto? Maybe they oh, go seriously, to a, seriously, what if you put I him know. in Toronto? And maybe they go to a game seven and lose because yeah. that's what Bruce has done. And I get that, that some people consider that a fluke. Some people consider that his history. Um, but if you were to tell, like, if you were to take Bruce and if you were to call Toronto and have said, he's from there, he's really good at this, I can almost guarantee you you're in the playoffs with Bruce. I, I mean, think about what Bruce is doing here. It's impressive. I just find it to be somewhat at times counterproductive yeah. to what they're doing because the team's not good enough. But I think he might be their most marketable asset. That is that's a really good point. And like, would, I might give you a second. I might give you a second round pick. I might give you a first round pick. Yeah. For think about Bruce in like Tampa right now. Yeah. Bruce where the and, message has gotten I think, old. I think Bruce in Toronto would be unbelievable. 
But is that a completely yeah? No, that's not crazy a hot, thought. That, that is, I think we should delve I think it's into accurate. this. Yes, I think if you could trade coaches, and you called up Tampa Bay as like, okay, John Cooper, message is stale. Do you want to make the playoffs? Right. They'd be like, hell yes, of course we do. <laughs> Boudreaux for a first round, late I, first round. Who says no? I don't. All right, uh, Kirill Kaprasov update. But by, by the way, I did see uh, Mike Russo in the Athletic has a story or had a story in the past week or so that uh, Bill Guerin is going over there. On November 30th, Guerin will fly to Moscow to meet up with Kaprasov's agent uh, so they can both sit down with the uber-skilled player, writes Russo. Guerin will be in Russia from December 1st through the 3rd, have dinner with Kaprasov, and also will attend one of his games. So the Wild is going there, and it sounds like the message is, in fact, quote Guerin, he really wants to come here next year. Yeah, in the last uh, week, Kaprasov, a couple goals since we've last talked, three games, two goals. (laughs) <laughs> it's the same same old story again oh, and then, and in those three games uh 14 shots 14 shots on goal so the kid just loves to shoot the and puck. he wants to come here and and apparently and he wants to come here no pressure no i'm holding i'm holding my no breath till i see here, the pen to paper judd holding last my breath. thing your uh declan's potential top five yeah. wild draft pick of the week is whom uh this one this week is quentin byfield judd from uh from our friends at Tankathon, the fourth best. It's so great. The fourth best uh prospect, third best prospect uh currently in this year's draft. Six four, two hundred and fourteen pounds, and he's only seventeen. This kid's still got growing to do, and he's ginormous. He's in the OHL right now. Forty six points in twenty six games, seventeen goals, twenty nine assists. I think a true center. I think a true bulky physical so, center. Of your three picks so far that you've given me on the last three podcasts, yeah. which one do you like the most? I think it might be this Byfield kid just because of his size. I think we sometimes, and I, I, I get victim of this too, uh, we get blinded by the size in hockey, especially when you see someone so large because the game's transitioning to smaller players. Uh, but I would say it's this Byfield kid just because of his size, and he's only 17. Like, he just turned 17. Okay. He's early into his 17 years, so you know he's still going to be growing and get bigger. Um, you know, There might be some questions about his speed when he's that large, but uh, I'll take my chances with it. All right, we are done. Uh, tell people how to find Judd's Hockey you Show. Can, uh, you can off the top of your head. find Judd's Hockey Show on iTunes, Spotify, or uh, the Score North mobile app. Wherever you find your podcast, you can find us. Give us a five-star review. That helps us uh, with, with the pod, and we really appreciate you listening. He's Declan. I'm Judd. Talk to you later. Pass, shoot, score. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.